I, I got to tell you, one of the, the things I love most about this time of year is that you walk into a, a store uh, or, or listen on the radio and there is praises to Jesus. I'm talking about secular places and, and things like that. There's joy to the world. Uh, I think it, it hadn't been this year, but previous year it was the Handel's Messiah. Whether it was walking through the mall or, or in a particular store, I just remember it uh, just almost brought me to tears, the thought of it being, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there's someone in there going, oh, I can't believe they're playing that music here. But I was, you know, in a sense, man, what, what a great message, you know, over the loudspeaker. I, and, and so they're still doing it, uh, at least on the radio I've heard uh, secular stations playing Christmas music. It, it's praise to Jesus. There's also Grandma Got Run Over by the Reindeer, but, you know, <laughs> Uh, where, where there's praise for Christ and, and something that, that others are listening to, I, yeah, just, it's just one of the things I love. Last week, we began this challenge to live Christ more. And that's what it means by uh, live, live Christ Moss. Uh, it means live Christ more. And so that's our challenge. Uh, this, as we approach this holiday season, I talk about holiday season. What are we celebrating? Oh, it's the coming of Jesus. But wait, if you're in Christ... When does that begin and when does that end? Is there a season for that? It's every day, right? It is absolutely our lives to celebrate the fact that Jesus came. So in this season when the world around us is also celebrating this Christmas and all the other things, it is a great time to shine the fact that Jesus came into this world, something that we celebrate every day. But in this season... Uh, again, our, our challenge to you is to live Christ more. Uh, Paul lays this challenge out in different words. Chapter 1, verse 27, where he tells the Philippians, Hey, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, what does it mean to live your, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? Well, uh, Paul comes on in chapter 2 to say, Hey, live, live Christ. Live, live Jesus. That, that ultimate way of, of living in a, in a manner that's going to be worthy of what you've been given through Jesus is to live, is emulate him in your life. Uh, last Sunday, in, in order to do that, we focused on uh, the way we, we live Christ more is to live selfless, to, to not be so focused on our selfish desires and, and those things and to, to focus on others uh, even more than our, our own selves. So it's to live selfless. Uh, today, uh, we're going to, to, to look at this. That to, to live Christ more is to learn to live with a generous heart. Uh, that's our God. That's Jesus. Uh, so generous. And, and, and again, that's our focus. Uh, our passage is second. Uh, Philippians. If you want to go and ahead and turn there, you got your, if you use a device... Uh, as long as you're not playing a game, device, or, or, or right, uh, or, or if you have your scriptures, open that to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, a great passage, beginning in verse 5, and actually through verse 11. Now today we're going to read through verse 8, but in, in, in chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, uh, there, there's a, a debate, a theological debate as to whether uh, this is a, a hymn that the church at the present time is singing. 
the way it is is actually set up, there's there's actually you can look at stanzas and 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 phrases that that could be sung. And so there's a thought that Paul is actually recording a, a song that's being sung within the church, and and others are thinking the debate is well Paul is creating one that's going to be sung, and and which. Either, either one, you could go either way. It's, it's kind of a neat idea that the church is singing these words because the words, there's depth there. It, it really is some, depth, uh, some deep theological thinking in this because it lays out uh, for us yeah, what takes place in the coming of Christ. Let, let's read it. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5 through 8. Paul, now if you remember last week, uh, it, had, it was that focus of, hey, be united, have the same mind by, you know, not, not pursuing selfish ambitions. It's about thinking of others as more important than ourselves. And that was the gist of, of where we've been. In verse 5 it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Uh, of course, 9 through 11. We're, we're, we'll actually read that next week. But here's our focus today. And, and, and within this passage, it reveals the depths of Jesus' action as he came into this world uh, to, to live amongst us. It, and, and again, to think about you know, our challenge is to live Christ more. As we go through this, I, I, I believe this truth because Paul is saying, hey, listen, live in a manner worthy of the gospel you've been given. To live Christ more, here, here's, I, here's the truth we're going to get from this passage, that Christians should be the most generous people in this world. We have, we have the reasons to be the most generous people in this world. And, and so let, let's do that. Let's look at just the reasons as it's laid out. Uh, and, and, and first of all, it goes here, that God has generously given to us. He has, hadn't he? I, just, just to think about just the gift of life, uh, the fact that, that uh, we're able to experience life in, in every day, uh, to smell, to taste. Some of us appreciate taste. To hear, uh, even, even to go to the part, part of, of having relationships, to have, be a part of a family, to be, have friendships, uh, to be around people that we love and, and appreciate and to, to share life with them. All that was given to us through God's giving life. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, just take a moment there and, 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 and look what God, the position that God put humanity. He said, you have dominion or you rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the, the animals on the land. And, and matter of fact, we were given you know, this this opportunity to rule or to be stewards over the rest of his creation you know we, we've been given a, a, a valuable position uh, as part of his creation and then we think just for a moment about uh, how we've dealt with that how humanity how even ourselves have uh, responded to God in rebellion and sinfulness 
then, then we're, we're ready to give God praise for his mercy. It's evidence that we woke up this morning. Do you, do you realize that when we woke up this morning? It, that's part of the evidence that, that he's given his mercy. Uh, he, he, he wiped out the world so long ago and then promised never to do it again. How many times do you think God would ever be tempted to wipe it out again and again and again and again? Right? Uh, you, you look and you think, how is it that God could be so patient? And then we say, God, I praise you that I woke up and I have another day. Because truth is, I sit down and I, sometimes when I approach God is, man, for, for me to have today is just evidence of God's mercy. The greatest evidence of God's mercy, the greatest evidence, the greatest gift that God has given is Jesus. Absolutely sending his son into this world to be a savior to us, to overcome or to, to, to give us forgiveness for our sinfulness. The greatest gift. Now, the, the coming of Jesus definitely reflects his gracious and generous heart as well. That's what we see in verses 6 through 8. Here's the activity of his entering into this world, 6 through 8. And, and, and actually, 6 through 8 even, even identifies his, his pre-existence. Jesus didn't, oh, come into the world. Okay, all of a sudden, God's Son is created. But in John chapter 1, uh, it, it's very clear that he was there in the beginning. He was part of creation. So Jesus had this pre-existence. And, and, and you absolutely identify that because here is his thinking as he enters into this world. When we read 6, he says, Who being in very nature God, this is speaking about Jesus, Jesus being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Think about it. It also goes along with this next line in 7. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. Well, what does that mean? I, I, let me start by saying what it doesn't mean. When Jesus came into this world, it, it doesn't mean that he let go of his deity, making himself nothing. He continued to be deity. He was fully man, fully God. And, and evidence of that is the words that he spoke, but especially the, the miracles around him. The healing that he performed, the walking on the water, the, the telling, hey, peace be still, and it calmed the storm. The, 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 the multiplying of the fish and the bread. Uh, for lunch, feeding, you know, just a small boy's lunch to feeding 5,000 people. The, the miracles, even, even raising the dead. Uh, the, the power of God was obviously evident in Jesus. He came and he, was, he was, uh, kept his full deity as he existed uh, or as he lived in this world. So, so what does it mean that Jesus, matter of fact, I even like this better, that he emptied himself. He made himself nothing or he emptied himself. The next two phrases in, in verse 7 helps us identify what that means. By taking the very nature of a servant. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Can I, can I say it like this? Maybe this will help us understand. What does it mean that he emptied himself? Jesus didn't come into this world and, and make his appearance in some wonderful palace. He wasn't born uh, amongst uh, caretakers that received him into this world and began to worship him because he is the son of God. He was born in a barn. 
He was, he was laid in a feed trough or a manger where animals were feeding probably the day before. This is the, this is the existence he entered into. And not only that, as, as he continued to live, he didn't, he didn't uh, spend his days in, in, in a kingdom. He didn't spend his days in a, in a castle or in a palace. He wasn't seated upon a throne. He didn't receive a title to where people were honoring of him because of his title. He didn't receive that. He didn't come into that. He came in the likeness of a servant, as a slave. One who doesn't even have the basic human rights. He, matter of fact, even as he died upon the cross, was the only time he was recognized to being the king of the Jews when it was laid above his head. Matter of fact, verse 8 says, this is the extent of his service. I mean, he came serving, absolutely. The passage even, Jesus, Jesus even made the point that the Son of Man, I mean, animals have places to go, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He emptied himself. He was in the uh, poorest of circumstances. Even to the point in verse 8, it says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself I think it's humbling to just become man, to go through diapers, to, to go through all the things, to go through hunger and, and everything else that he went through. But, but the fact is, is that he gave him, uh, no, excuse me, that, that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. He went to the cross. His greatest act of service. Uh, and I, I, I got to tell you, the, the, the idea of being executed is one thing. But to die upon the cross was, was that for the lowest of people. The cross was, was, was given to those of, who were just low in, in, in status. And, and uh, matter of fact, Paul identified in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, uh, the, the message they have is about the, the Christ crucified. That's, that's what he was preaching, Christ crucified. To them, that's the Messiah crucified and he said to the jews that's a stumbling block could you imagine the messiah who is to come all throughout the scriptures the message you're preaching is about that messiah has come and he was hung upon a cross no way it's a stumbling block for the jews and and for the gentiles it's just foolishness just foolishness that that your, your message is that your Savior came and, and ultimately he came for the purpose to be hung upon a cross. How shameful. But, but to us, to us today, what a gift. Are you with me? What a gift. What a gift. Do we understand what we've been given? Because I, the reality is, this is where Ronnie is, this is where each one of us, we're on, that, we're on the edge of destruction. God's condemnation with our sinfulness. If we, do we understand, do we realize that? And, and that, matter of fact, Paul even identifies his man, that corruption of death is existing within us. Something, we've earned that. It's not that, well, that's just the way it is. We've earned that through our sinfulness, through our rebellion. We've earned it, and that's our state. But because God sent Jesus into this world, through his death, we have forgiveness. We have that the corruption of, of sin is removed with the cleansing of his blood. No longer is it, is it death, but it's life that's working within you and I. 
Wow, what a gift. Wow, what a gift. He is our joy. We right? He is our joy. He's the reason we celebrate. And every day, not just during December, every day for his coming. We ought to have those grateful hearts, a heart that rejoices in him. Now, a lack of response. What do I mean by lack of, you know, when, when we're not responding, when our hearts aren't changed, when, you know, we, we, we might have made a decision sometime, but our life isn't reflecting that joy, what's going on? I, I believe it's one of two things. Either we're really ignorant to the position that we have uh, without Christ. But we really don't see the condemnation of our sinfulness. We really don't see the rescue that takes place through Jesus. It has to be that we're just not aware of it. And, and, and that, would, that would cause us to, to, to not be joyful or not appreciate what's been given. Or we're just choosing not to respond. Maybe it's just, boy, we, do, we worship this every day. Uh, or, or it's just common. You know, hey, Jesus saved us. All right, I'll go to church. <laughs> But it ought to be a pursuit of the joy working in our hearts. It ought to be a a, a life that's lived on his behalf in appreciation of what he's done for us. It it ought to be making a difference in our life. And I I believe throughout the Gospels, it calls us to live differently. Uh, So in in part, the way we live a grateful life is at a response to what he's given to us. But it's also commanded. You know, another reason is we are called to be like Jesus. We're commanded. And in obedience, that's the direction we're going. That's what, that's what Paul is doing with the Philippians. Let me remind you what it said in verse 5. In your relationships with another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Think like Jesus. Think like pursue the things that Jesus. Acknowledge the things that Jesus uh, had done in this world. And, and live in a way that's going to be honoring of Jesus, reflect Jesus. Now, John also said the same thing. And it, it's with a verse that we're all familiar with. First John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. That's our motivation. The, our response is to love him because he loved us. But two verses earlier, I, man, I grabbed a hold of this. Familiar verse there, 19, but here's what he said in 17. This is how love is made complete among us. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on that day of judgment. Here's the phrase. In this world, we are like Jesus. This is how we have love amongst us. Because in this world, uh, we are like Jesus. It's obvious that we are called to be something different in this world. To be something that, that is not full of the sinfulness and full of death, but something full, uh, something, someone full of life, full of love, full of the grace and mercy that we've received. I, I guess Jesus made it probably easy when he said, hey, you are the light of the world. Uh, you, you're the city on the hill. You're, you're, uh, you know, you're the salt of the earth. There's a difference. There's a, a life to be lived that's different and a message to be given to the world around us. Now, the holiday season, you know, as we approach Christmas, um, the giving doesn't always reflect the generous giving of Jesus, does it? Matter of fact, I would say the way we do it 
it really doesn't reflect Jesus at all. We say, well, that's part of the reason why we give gifts is because God has given us. But, but it's kind of reciprocal, isn't it? We, we give and receive, you know, gifts to each other. Now, the, the truth is, when it comes to giving, Jesus gave his all. He gave his all. We need to learn how to give. And that's, that's another reason why we wanted to take this holiday season and challenge you. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say, hey, don't give gifts. You know, that's something you enjoy, your kids enjoy, and things like that. But, but even more so, as, as we're thinking about Christ, ask yourself the question, how can I give in the way that Jesus gave? We put up a challenge last week about uh, Jackson, uh, the young 13-year-old boy who's dealing with lymphoma. I know he's not a part of this congregation. He's not. He's not. It's a family in need in our community. And, and so there's a need present. And, and so we're, we're calling, there's an opportunity to give generously. We had, we had a good start last week. We're going to continue uh, making an appeal and, uh, until January 3rd, just to remind you, uh, on behalf of that family and the, the expenses that they're incurring over this, this disease. How do we learn how to give? Uh, do we give only because, oh, I've got the joy in my heart, I could give? I think it's something that we have to put in practice because it is commanded, hey, be like Jesus. So you start in this way. Uh, it, it is an activity of your faith. It is an action of our faith that is involved in giving, isn't it? It says, okay, here's, here's my resources, here's what I have, and, and here's the dollar I could give. You know, sometimes we do it that way, just, man, just minimal things. But, but the Philippians, if you, if you have opportunity to read about the Philippians, Paul of the Philippians is because they were a people who gave even out of their poverty. <laughs> they were a generous people, and, and Paul knew for sure that these people Love God. Uh, there, was, there was something, I just throw this in there, that, that there's an idea. Paul had a lot of other congregations that could have supported him. Uh, some wealthy congregations, some other areas that, that had a lot more money than the Philippians. But, but there is a thought, someone suggested that the reason that, that he received funds from the Philippians is because there was no strings tied. They didn't have expectations out of Paul. Uh, the, the more financial giving you give to someone, the more, oh, sense of obligation, I need to serve you. And Paul f didn't feel the, 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 the ties or the strings attached. See, sometimes in our giving, uh, man, we're waiting around to see, you know, what's going to come back our way. Was that ever Jesus' concern? His mind was full of, of obedience to what he's called to do. And he wants this sacrificial response from his people to be able to give. Uh, Lynn and I were recipients of, of generous giving uh, some time ago. When we adopted Teresa into our family, she joined us uh, at, at the age of 13. And I don't think we ever talked about it, the circumstances, but we brought her into our home and said, okay, now what are we going to do? Uh, and, and she, was, she was a wonderful addition to our family. Uh, but shortly after we brought her into our home, there was a couple in this congregation who was retired and moved away that gave us $1,000 and said, here, you need to 
you need to get into your basement and finish off, put a room down there. We had three bedrooms. Uh, boys always shared a room. And now Lindsay, could you imagine living with Lindsay? Okay. <laughs> Lindsay had to share a room with Teresa. Now, actually, it was a little bit more difficult for, for girls. The boys had to do it. They did it all their lives. But now Lindsay had, had to share a room. And so they did for a while. But I, I was, we were given this money, and we went down and and uh, completed a room, put the boys downstairs. Teresa had her own room. Lindsay, we could live with again because she could have her own room. Uh, but but the, the point is this. What, you know, we, I, we didn't pursue that. We talked about it. We didn't have the means for it. But this couple, uh, actually, let me put it this way. God graciously gave to us through the hearts of these two people. You see, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. God graciously gave to us through the obedience of this wonderful couple. We have that same opportunity. When we see a need and and we say, man, things are a little tight. We'll have to skip over some things. You know, we've got this much saved up for our vacation or or here's our nest egg and things like that. But this family has a need. I'm just going to dive into it and, and, man, contribute it because we'll always be taken care of. See, that's the faith part. I'm always going to trust God to take care of me, not what I got in my drawer or in my bank account, okay? But when we know and appreciate the fact that God is going to care for me, I could give. I could give willingly. I could even sacrifice and, and, and maybe not go out to eat or, or even not go on vacation. Could we go to that part? I don't know what they sacrificed. It was close to retirement. And it seemed like a maybe in, in my mind where I am in my life, that, that's a pretty good sacrifice at their age at the time. But again, it was God's generous giving through the generous hearts of his people. And that's the way we ought to be as a congregation. I believe there's some tremendous, I do know that there's some tremendous givers here. And you know what it is to be joyful, right? You know what it is to be joyful about what God has done for you. And it's represented in many of the things you do. And there's probably a majority of us who are not there. Who are not there. Who, who, ah, find it easier to hold on to what I've earned and what I've collected and what I'm going to stash away for the rainy day. But there are so many needs around us, so many opportunities. And I'm going to call it an opportunity because here's here's the last point I want to make. The free and generous heart is a gift and a privilege. Here's what we miss out on. That it's almost begrudgingly that, that anybody would ever stand up in the pulpit and say, hey, we are called to give. I'm not talking about just offering. I'm talking about where there's a need, supply the need. We're called to give. And that's always, oh, that's the uncomfortable sermon. Because that hits the pocketbook. That hits something personal. But a free and generous, and that's what we have is a free heart, isn't it? Freed from sinfulness, freed from enslavement, from my own depravities, and, and, and free from greed to, to a freedom to, to serve, a freedom to give, a freedom that I'm not hindered by even the things that I own. I'm not hindered by that. Free to give it away. Free if somebody else could use something that I have or, or if they need a financial help, man, it, it is their access 
to, to be used by God to be a blessing to someone who's in need. I have, the, I have that free and a generous heart. And it is a gift. A, a, a generous heart is something that is pleasing before God. Someone who's not, unhin, not, not hindered by anything about mine, 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 but freely opens their hand to sacrificially give and to be honoring of God in that way. I, that is a fragrance that's a blessing. We always think, well, coming to church on Sunday, boy, that's where God is just pleased with me because I'm at church and I'm singing words and praising Him. But if our life is full of, you know, just, just holding on to what I have and what I own and it's all about me from Monday through Saturday, are we really truly honoring God? Are we really truly worshiping Him? What, what we're talking about is to live Christ more is to have him infect us in every day. Have, have him affect us uh, in our workplace, in our home, and, and uh, uh, to, to make us selfless, to make us generous. It is a privilege. It is a privilege to serve and to give on behalf of God in his name. If it's a need that we just see and we just say, man, I see you have a need... Uh, here, here's, just, here, here's something to help you uh, through this. Uh, if it's a, an organization, there's a, I already mentioned uh, Jackson, but today there's going to be another uh, segment. Uh, we'll go into more details about that, but there's an organization here in town to make contributions. We're thinking up great ideas for you guys to, uh, to challenge you to live Christ more. And it's in this area of being selfless and giving. Woo, what a Christmas, right? What a way to celebrate his coming. It's, it's not looking inward and saying, oh, what am I going to get? Because <laughs> that seems to be one of the main messages about Christmas. What am I going to get? Oh, but what did we receive? And, and how, how can I be honoring and how can I serve? Isn't that right? Live Christ more. We really should be the most generous people in this world because he's generous. He's generous. The way he has given to us and has given freely and has given us his son. We should be the most generous people in this world because we are called to be generous. We're called to be just like Jesus in that area of obedience and selflessness and even sacrifice. Can, can we ever pay God back by doing that? I'm just asking, do anybody know? Can we ever pay God? No way. No way. There is no, we could definitely attempt, but there's no way that we could pay God back for what he has done for us. It is a privilege, isn't it? It is a privilege to be able to give and contribute, to be used by God with the resources we have to be a blessing to someone else, to someone who is in need. Live Christ more. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. We praise you, Father, for your word always. Father, where, where Jesus came into this world and as he approached it, he set aside, Lord, all the glory. He set aside the, the titles and the recognition and came into this world as a servant to serve, even to this extent of going to the cross. And Father, we have every reason to rejoice and to celebrate 
what he has done. We celebrate his resurrection as well, Lord, knowing that that's a promise of what we too will receive. Lord, in this thinking, we are so undeserving. We are so undeserving of what you have given, what you have uh, uh, brought to us in Jesus, and yet it identifies clearly your love for us. Uh, Lord, we have the opportunity in this day, in the week to come, and, and throughout our lifetime, to, to just reveal the joy that we have because of what you've done, to reveal the love that we have for you in the way that we treat others, the way that we uh, are, are stewards of what we've been given, to use what we've been given to be a blessing and a strength and, and uh, just, just to be an enabler, uh, enabling people to get past their difficulties. God, you are good to us in everything that you do. We praise you again for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.